The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Well, welcome to another episode of the Story World Podcast. Steve Schramm here with my buddy Al. How's it going, Al? It's going well. This was a really quick week, Steve. Uh, quick week. Yeah, it went by. Yes, it, it was. It, it felt like minutes, to be <laughs> yeah. honest. So Steve and I will record uh, podcasts a little bit back to back. So we don't wear the same clothes every day. Just uh, if anyone was wondering of our hygiene habits. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. although I, mine is a pullover, so I could get away with a few oh, no, no, on, on this bad yeah. boy. So, you know, yeah. whatever. You're the one giving it away over there, not me. Uh, so. uh, that is true. Uh, it's all good. Most people are just probably listening because I, as of yet, I'm too lazy to have them uploaded to YouTube. So um, it's okay. Nobody's probably watching anyway. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm just playing. Just playing. Yeah. So um, I'm really excited about our, our topic today. The reason is because it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. And it's this idea of anecdotes in making decisions. There's different ways of, of thinking about it, you know, per, persuasion via storytelling. And we're going to get into some of that. You want to kind of give your thoughts on this topic, Alex, before we dive in head first? Yeah, I think first of I think it's a really important one. Um, I think I'm just kind of picking up where we left off too in the last episode about kind of news and media in general is it's pretty much, you know, well established that every media outlet has their own certain spin on a story and a lot of outlets will use anecdotes to kind of prove their point. And I mean, that's just what they do, but it also influences how we make decisions, how we see life and how we, you know, have our frame of mind. And so this one obviously will be a, a serious topic. And so getting into it, we're going to be, you know, touching on things that involve politics and news and kind of some some high profile stories and also some lower stuff coming examples from our thing so just kind of approaching that with a you know intent to just really study how anecdotes have affected um different stories that we've come across that we all know within yeah. how they affect us in our personal life so i think this, this is a serious topic but i think it's it's really good just the power of anecdotes and the power of how you tell a story and frame a story can just really um yeah, really affect um, how people see things. Yeah, that that's absolutely true. And I, I almost uh, I want to I want to kind of caveat as we go into this, and but I don't want to apologize. I want to be very clear that that Alex and I we may not agree on everything. A lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about it today, though, I think we're going to agree and, and see pretty much eye to eye on. Uh, but you may not see to eye eye to eye with us. And uh, I almost just feel like going into a topic that is this serious. Um, I feel like I should just say up front that that's okay. Like we're not yeah, here absolutely. to you know, discourage or or to or to disenfranchise anyone. We have some opinions. I mean, we're not gonna just like back down on our opinions to to please you. And and we hope that's something that you like about us, you know, that we take a stand for something and you should too. Um, but 
but this it's it's again we're we're not going to be giving a lot of answers here we're mostly just going to be yeah. considering right and talking through and, and just trying trying to open your mind and, and open our own minds uh to think more carefully about these things so as you're listening to this maybe this is something where you say hey i oh, i have that beef and 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 now i don't want to listen to you anymore well i let me just say please don't be like that like again we may have our differences but we're here because we share the love of storytelling with you no matter where you are on some of these more sensitive topics like the one we're going to have today so do you i, I get you would echo that sentiment alex i'm sure yeah absolutely and even though steve and i are you know firm in our beliefs you know we I, I think it's safe to say that we, you know, love everyone and, you know, want, you know, everyone has different beliefs and come from different, you know, parts of life and, and see life differently. Even people within yeah. our own kind of circle that we hang out with, you know, at, at church or at work, you know, we deal with people who just view things totally different from us and, and that's fine. You know, every, everyone is different. Right. So yeah, with these sense of subjects, just know that Steve and I aren't coming into this where we know everything and we know how you know, things are from this point of view, like what Steve said, we're mostly going to be asking questions and giving answers and just kind of throwing out thoughts to think about. And so hopefully this will be uh, yeah. really good for everyone. I think so. I, I think it will. All right. So, so let's, let's talk about, we, we kind of have three different, uh, so like I said, it's going to be a lot of just back and forth, some, some kind of banter here. And, and so we have three different categories that we want to, that we want to talk about. And again, to set the topic up, it's, it's, we're talking about anecdotes and making decisions stories have the power to influence i mean this story has been influencing people's beliefs people's even outlook on life i mean there are people who live in in dread and fear of tomorrow based on nothing more than the fact that the news is depressing um and so i mean i've, I've heard of stories of people who like their depression was basically cured when they stopped like scrolling Facebook and reading through the news. And so story has such a power to influence us. And here's the thing. It can be used for good or for ill. And this can happen both intentionally and unintentionally. So you could unintentionally share a false story that elicits a response in somebody else and ends up causing actual harm in their life at the same time and kind of on the flip side you could intentionally tell a uh you know a, a story and somebody be negatively or positively influenced by it when you had the opposite intent and so it's it's really these are rough waters to navigate and the first category that we're going to dive into here is about news stories um we ended the last podcast talking a little bit about the news and how they really do you know i while while alex and i tend to think and maybe even secretly hope that the traditional sort of news media outlet is something that is kind of going away and maybe going to be a thing of the past right now it's here and every morning they are influencing the culture and so what do we do with that yeah um it's kind of funny. Yeah, we, um, it, I guess not funny. It, it makes sense that we kind of want to see that structure go away and see more or less, you know, hey, you know, we pretty much have access to any footage available on any incident that happens. Yeah. We'll have their phones in. Let's just have an open discussion on, you know, watching the video and seeing what's happening and talk amongst ourselves and, you know, listen to whether it's podcast or a media outlet that just, you know, really gives you true, like up-to-date information. Hey, here's what's happened. Um, and make your own decisions on things rather than 
relying on the five o'clock news to tell you how to think or see see a story. Yes, that that that's exactly right. And so, what we're going to do is just maybe uh, through each of these talk about a couple specific like yeah. examples, right, of these of these categories, and just maybe some observations that we that we took away. And so, the first one that that came to my mind with news stories is uh, is recently the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Now, there, man, I'm telling you, there were some there were some strong opinions on the Rittenhouse case from across the board. And in this case, both Alex and I watched very much of of those actual proceedings and hearings, um, and because it was something that was in- interesting to us and, um. I, I found one of the podcasts that I listened to, I, I forget exactly which one it was. I think I know, but I, I forget. And I don't want to tell anything false here. Yeah. Um, too, too much irony for this episode. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Um, and, uh, and, and, but, but what's interesting is that they, what they did is they played footage of the, of different, news outlets conservative and liberal and progressive you know whatever you want to say left and right they played a bunch of of different news outlets clips (laughs) back to back and what's interesting about the rittenhouse case is you had first person video (laughs) from from the event with literally interviewing Kyle Rittenhouse there, like telling you what he was there to to do, and, and you had right, you had a circumstance like one of the here's one of the, and so you had the point of that is like you had you could obviously see. I mean, everybody had access to the same truth, to to the same mm-hmm. objective data, and yet you could see how each news entity for their target audience was spinning the story and i'm going to let you come in here but I, I just want to give one very practical example of this so you know the kind of thing i'm talking about surely most of you live in an area where it's like even though you could say oh like i went to a different town it's like two miles down the road from you or like or something like that like like where there's almost like this this uh blending right and so there happens to be a place in between where alex lives and where i live called troutman and so for for alex or or me to say like i went to troutman it doesn't even feel like saying oh i went to like i crossed the border or i went to a different city or whatever actually uh, to actually to make the analogy even more frank um very close to both of us is Charlotte, North Carolina. And at, 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 there's actually a place in Carowinds, which is an amusement park in Charlotte, where you can stand, you can have one foot in South Carolina yeah, yeah. and one foot in North Carolina. Okay. And, and so, I mean, this, surely this picture is, is obvious enough. Well, there were news stories who, who kept saying things like, no. Kyle Rittenhouse was a violent offender looking to pick a fight with somebody. He crossed state lines with a a gun to go. He was showing up to do some damage. Well, the actual story is, is where he lives is so close to the, to the state line. Yes. the, The place he was defending was in a state that is not the state 
where his residence is. But he was he was there like again, it would have been just like a skip, hop and a jump to use a southern term for him. It's not like he drove 50 miles or something with the specific intent of doing harm in this area. He was specifically there to provide medical support and came armed to defend himself. And, and that's that's his testimony. That's again, and the jury uh, saw this and, and, and agreed with the defense um, on this. And so it's like there's the objective facts of the case. And then there's this egregious spin for the sake of, of views and enticing people and emotions and spinning the story that was so just plain and obvious to see in this particular case. Yeah, uh, kind of more or less the same. Um, I'm going to kind of take it from my approach will be I'm going to look at some of the stories that kind of bothered me that I heard, if you will, kind of from the left side and then what bothered me from the right. And then I'm just going to kind of give what, in my opinion, could be wrong, but my opinion on what I my opinion on it after just looking at just the footage, like what you said, we have footage of what happened there and kind of what my thoughts were during that. So a couple kind of, yeah, that probe up of he, you know, he was there to, that, that was the kind of the story, the anecdote, if you will, of from the left side of, um, the portrayal of, he obviously had a gun. And so he was obviously there to start trouble. Why would you need a gun, you know, to go, unless you're looking to cause trouble. And that was pretty much the the narrative from that side and and then obviously you take pictures of um you know either certain moments where Kyle Rittenhouse might have been glaring at a certain time and just you know the whole propping up of this is obviously a bad dude looking to you know stir trouble when when people started to come out at nighttime and obviously that that just bothered me because I mean in the proof of this kind of the pudding he could have caused trouble so many points along the way as the case kind of showed um, but then on you know, people, people who are looking to cause trouble, you can tell them easily. Um, even just as simple as going to a, a concert, you can tell the troublemakers right from the beginning. If it's kind of a, you know, a B concert, you can, it's just easy to spot those people. And then yeah, for sure. from, from the right side, we're going to talk, kind of go into this a little bit, a little bit later on another subject, but, um, a lot of. Anytime there's a degradation on one side, there's always an overpraising on the other. Um, calling, and again, maybe maybe I'm wrong on this, but you know, um, specifically Fox News and other right wing outlets calling him like a hero and a, I mean, just like really making out this kid to be not a kid, but a a man who stood, you know, and I and I. I do agree that he was there for the right intentions. He obviously was looking to help, but um, just really lifting him up to the level of, you know, this guy's a hero for what he did. You know, just yeah. taking that a little bit too sure. far. Yeah, they but overcompensated. Then, yeah, exactly. And and that just bothers me as well. And so from my kind of perspective on what I thought, um, just looking at the video, taking away the news media outlets, taking away the headlines, if you just look at the video, I... I kind of remember specifically seeing the video because that's why I always do. First, if I see a headline, I, I don't read any more. I just YouTube, okay, what like the video because I want to see what happened. And I remember thinking, like the first thing I thought of was, why would a why would a kid just bring a gun to a place where there's probably going to be trouble? And I, so my initial reaction was, that's just not a smart thing to do. Like he has every right. right to carry his gun, like more power to you. But it, I really just the first thing I thought of was it just probably wasn't a wise decision to be in that area anyway, especially, you know, 
carry a gun. That was just kind of my, and that's sure. but, but then to the actual shooting, I, I mean, it, it was kind of clear as the reason for the cases. Yeah, of course he did use it to defend himself. I mean, he, I mean, obviously there's a trade-off. He has a gun, some guy has a skateboard, but I mean, if he got a good hit on his head and knocked him out with it, he could beat him to death. I don't know if that's what he would have done, but the potential yeah. is there. So, I, and I think, I think most people kind of agree that, yeah, he was rightfully defended himself. So I think that was the right call, but yeah, I, I think, you know, I was, I think that's pretty hard set, but I was kind of in the middle as far as I think he was probably a good kid. And I, I kind of felt bad form where i just don't think he was thinking through a lot of you know mm -hmm. just looking ahead of what could happen this night if i do this if i bring this gun i think his intentions were right but just you know yeah i, I feel bad that he yeah had the hindsight to see to see what was going to happen yeah you mean the foresight um yeah the foresight, but, foresight yeah yeah no yeah sorry <laughs> but but i know you're good uh, uh, um i agree the interesting thing about that, though, is that the facts of the case, you know, again, bear out that he was acting in self-defense. And so what then has to be asked is, well, would he not have been attacked in that way had he not had the gun? Mm. Um, and that's a good point. Depending on the answer to that question, really, it, I think for me personally, that's going to that's going to fuel my opinion of that. Right. Because it's like, well. If, if he was going to be attacked anyway, it's a darn good thing he brought the gun, or else he'd be dead right now. Yeah, you know. Is so it, it's like if he's if he's going to go, you know, it's it's like. And, and depending on whether these people were telling the truth or not, I don't know. But some people are saying they're worried because they really thought that he was a shooter because he they saw someone with a gun. And yep. and yep. again, that kind of goes back to me where like I I am totally for you know Second Amendment people carrying guns. What you know all yep. all for it. But then at the same time, you're going to be an area where obviously you're going to have more left-leaning protesters. They're angry about what was happening. And yeah. it just probably just wasn't the smartest decision. But, um, but yeah, just kind of, I think there's some good examples there of just kind of how two different sides approached it. And especially if you're someone who you only watch Fox News, you know what your opinion is going to be right away. And right. you're, yeah. you're going to confirm it. You're You're going to think that, you know, Cameron has never done anything, you know, wrong. It just was, it maybe like even had like some type of like, you know, righteous authority to be taking that gun in there and trying to, you know, stand people down, you know, really taking it an extra step. Then if you watch yeah. CNN or, you know, you, you're kind of on that side, I, you know, obviously you're like, wow, like this kid needs to be, you know, arrested, shouldn't even have a gun. And, you know, he was threatening, right, yeah. you know, whatever, you know, so that's just. I think that's just, that's a really good example of a really, you know, kind of high profile case where, yeah, you yeah. Just had totally two different views as far as what was being put out. Yeah. The spin was real, man. Okay. It really was. Yep. Now, what about Jesse Smalley? That's another one in yeah. recent history. I think you probably yeah. know more about that than, than I do. So I'd love yeah, to thought. Yeah. Smollett. I don't know how you spell it, but, um, yes, yeah, I, I think it's right. Jesse, uh, is it Smalley? It's, it's like, right. it's S-M-O-L-L-E-T. -E oh yeah. yeah. Okay. So I found but, it wrong in our notes. It's yeah. Th this one was a little bit less probable because there was no, I mean, fortunately there was no shooting involved or anything, but I actually, I remember, <clears throat> uh, watching this one. Um, cause I had seen the headlines. I forget the specific headlines. I guess I'll give it an overview. So Jesse Smollett is an actor. I forget the show. I think he's not a very well-known actor, but like, if you watch the show, you definitely, you know, know who he is and, and kind of follow him, but he got a, he arrived, um, late 
into, I want to say Chicago, maybe it was Detroit. I, I forget the city, but ended up, it was like around midnight or so, maybe one, two in the morning. And he was out walking about in the streets and basically two, I think it was two white guys came and threw, um, I think it was bleach on, yeah, threw bleach on him and like, I don't know, tied like a, a thing around his head or I, I forget exactly what they did, but basically, you know, is you know, considered like a, a racist attack on him. And so he went to the police station. I forget the specifics of the tying of everything, but basically it came out and it was ruled that it was set up that he had set up. I don't know if it was for attention or to prove that, you know, black people are, um, you know, affected, you know, unjustly. I, I don't know exactly why he did it, but that's what happened. But the main thing was that, and I actually, I remember watching the footage and I, I was thinking, man, like, you know, if, if that's, you know, if that's real, like, that's kind of horrible. Like, you know, you shouldn't be throwing, like, I, 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 you know, like my initial reaction, just seeing the video was that's, that's awful. Um, obviously that's bad. <laughs> I mean, there is no doubt about it, but then as you know, it came out that, um, uh, right away, of course, people, um, I think you had, um, Joe Biden, you had pretty much everyone on the left, uh, in I guess to kind of give him some credit, it really did look like that he did get actually attacked. But at the same time, it was very much, oh, this confirms what we've been saying all along. And so th they use that story to just confirm, hey, here's just another story where this is happening. This is a widespread thing and, you know, just and just stack it on. And then it turned out that, um, um, yeah, that it was, you know, framed and false and that he had just kind of set it up for whatever reason he, for whatever reason he wanted to. Now, I don't, I, I, I gotta be honest from news outlets on the right. I, I don't remember how they covered it initially because how it was initially covered was, okay, this is like, he legitimately got attacked. There was no reason I think within the first day or so to think that it was a lie. But I, I kind of forget how like Fox News covered it at first. I, I would hate to think that they didn't talk about it at all because it's, you know, it's a black actor getting attacked. I would think that if they had some credibility, they'd say, hey, like, you know, this guy got attacked. It looks like who knows if his race is motivated or not, or maybe people are upset about the show. Who knows? But I so I, yeah. I got to be honest, I'm kind of um, lost on um, kind of where that side um, was with reporting the initial information. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. This is and this is something I, I'm not going to go all into now because we're going to hit on it actually near the very end. Uh, of of the podcast as well, but but there is a, um, again without giving it away too much, there's a notion that especially within some communities, mostly again trigger warning, but mostly minority communities, that there is this idea that someone's personal experience often trumps the facts at hand, and and I, I, again I feel like I should I should uh, just again caveat that I'm 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 approaching I'm approaching this in a sense with a very sterile outlook uh for a reason because at the same time we also i mean again me and alex we talked about this before we're, we're conservative christians to the extent that there is legitimate racial injustice and and, and minority um injustice in, in america and by the way there is to, yep. there is that we we both agree we are on the same page with that yep. that is wrong hundred percent, thousand percent, I will beat that drum forever and ever. Amen. Martin Luther King stood for and at an amazing time was an amazing person who, who <clears throat> stood who stood for his um beliefs and he was he was absolutely right and they were founded on his values as as even a, a Christian. But unfortunately, 
I think what a lot of people think of today as as being what he stood for is actually the opposite of what he stood for. M- much of much of what is talked about today actually actually is talks about opposite segregation yeah. and opposite racism. And, and so uh, again, I don't want to get all into that, but the point I want to make is that his story was believed outright and almost an assumption of innocence because as you said, he was a black actor and it looks like he had been attacked. Yeah. Okay. It, and and there's a, a a de facto presumption of innocence portrayed by the mainstream media almost because like they've created an environment where it has to be that way in that yeah. situation or else you'll be, you know, canceled or you'll be the next trending hashtag on Twitter for, you know, being a scumbag or or, or whatever. So you couldn't you couldn't cover that story necessarily based on the facts at hand because you had to approach it from a particular angle and i only i mean i just wish that i was making this up i wish that i was yeah yeah you know that i but i'm but i'm not you know it's actually the facts of the case right now and a a quick example of that again just to reaffirm we are you know if if there is legitimate racism happening among police forces for example um it should stop right now the 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 most current accurate data that we have about American police forces across the country. This research, by the way, that I'm thinking of was conducted by a black researcher has shown very definitively that if anything, there is a a bias the opposite way of, of more white people actually being shot and killed by white police than black people minorities are in the minority here and in fact the real problem is black on black violence if we're talking specifically about the african-american community is is extremely high and having additional police forces helps keep that down now now that's again that's when you look at the data now we must be sensitive again to the actual personal stories of of these cultures and and different definitely like, like, like they're having real experiences, you know, they're not, they're not making this up, but, but again, you, we, ha- we also have to look at the, the data that we have available and say, okay, well, like we have to be objective about this. It can't all be about, about the subject of yeah. story stories are often, often subjective, but often data actually gives us a larger picture and it sounds sterile to talk about, but, but when you, when you're working with objective truth, you have to start there or else you're just a- anchored in nothingness. You yeah. know? And I hate to have to say this, but disclaimer for, and I know I represent Steve saying this too, is it, this doesn't mean that if, so if, if the proof is in the point, if you look at the data, that doesn't mean that when someone is racially attacked, that you should just say, oh, well, the data shows this, so who cares? Exactly. It, right. exactly. It, I mean, we are not saying that at all, because obviously that stuff does happen. And it's unfortunate yep. with the Smollett case, because then um, it, it kind it takes away from people who actually did have those bad experiences. Yes, that and, is so right. Um, because it, it does happen. You do have, you know, it. We see it on cell phones. You know, we do have racially motivated attacks that happen. And yep. for those people, you know, you do want to, you know, empathize with them and, and comfort them and help them. You know, that's horrible. Um, and so it 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 is awful when a situation like this happens because I know that Steve and I probably um will still have the open mind's probably the wrong word, but like, we'll still, you know, recognize if, you know, something is, you know, racially motivated or not. But unfortunately for people who 
you know, are really hard into Fox news and all that, and they see, oh, it's fake, then it, their mind kind of goes to, oh, then it's all fake. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. and that, and that hurts and that hurts, you know, really bad. So by 100%. uplifting that story and providing that anecdote as, Hey, because this happened, that means that all of this is true is just as wrong as taking it the other way. And so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I think that's all I have to say about that one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's it. Um, should we, uh, should we briefly touch on the last two and then we can, that, move on yeah, th those can be quick ones. Yeah. That I don't yeah. think those, yeah. Uh, so, so, I, could, so, I, I, ahead, I just yeah. started this one. Yeah. So for, um, just kind of immigration, um, I think Steve and I kind of talked a little of this beforehand and we're kind of on the same line for here, but, um, it's, uh, it just, it's interesting again, just kind of looking at it from the less point of view, as far as immigration, where it's, um, you know, everyone gets a <clears throat> free pass into the country. Uh, you know, kind of no questions asked. There's nothing coming over. Um, drugs aren't a problem. I'm not saying everyone, you know, believes that, but it's kind of the general thing of, you know, you're a racist or you, you don't care to help people if you are for any type of limitation of that. And that's kind of the narrative and, you know, stories would be told. And, and I, again, I admit there's, there's some awful stuff that happens at the borders and there's, you know, there's different things where immigrants are treated the way that they're not supposed to. I am not denying that at all. But the picture is that yeah. that is what always happens. And that is the, you know, that is the only thing that, um, that we see. And then you take it on, you know, the rights perspective where every person coming across the border is a criminal or a drug dealer. And people I, are trying yeah. to take advantage of our system where Steve and I were just talking. Some of the hardest people you'll ever, hardest working people you'll ever meet are people coming from Mexico or other countries across the seas and they legit just want to come over here and, and just work yep. their butts off and live the American dream. And so it's just a classic example where that, and that one, I think that's been that way. I don't know, probably since before we were born, it's just probably. Well, it, yeah. It, and it's, it's so interesting because it's like it, you have some people who live here and even who are in privileged positions who live here, who, who complain about how, whatever america is how how racist or how unaccepting yeah. of whatever and yet like if that's true how come how come they all want to come here how come every yeah. why why is it that they want to come to america it's because they know that it's not true they know that this is the greatest melting pot that has ever been they know that there is real room yeah. for them in america and, and real and, and so yes we should there is a legitimate process i mean again i i say this all the time Two things can be true at the same time. There is a legitimate process by which a person can become, a, a, can legally immigrate to the United States. That is a true statement. It is also true that unfortunately there is a lot of government red tape and there are, there are legit tough situations yeah. where people have been trying for decades to legally get citizenship to the United States and, and can't. So we're not saying that it's, 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 that, that it's all wrong or, or all good. Um, it, the truth again is somewhere in between there and it's, but it, what's a shame is that people will buy into the narratives on either side and then not give any thought to the sensible path uh, exactly. to take it in, in the middle where we, where we help people to the degree we can, where we reform the government and, and cut the red tape as much as we can to, to, to make it easier and, and smoother to legally facilitate yeah. that process. At the same time, we, we stand firm and we say, no, we can't just let anyone and everyone into this country because stuff really does happen. And, yeah. um, 
kind of add one to that is it's it really is i i hate that people who want to come over here and become citizens that they have to go through such a long process it's crazy like in my opinion and i'm not an expert on a healthy level of immigration i I don't know the specific numbers but like if you're if you want to come over here and just like you're a good good person you know i i believe not everyone's good but you know good in the sake of you know you want to come over here and work hard and raise a family and like yeah like get by all means. over here as quick as you want to like exactly you know, exactly yeah. they can come work for me i mean i need you know, exactly. I, yeah. I need them so yeah no that's just great you want to start this next one and, yeah oh that's right yeah yeah just uh wartime narratives um just just like how um yeah again how over time it's like <sighs> Like one of the specific examples I think of is the uh, is 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 where when Biden pulled out of Af- Afghanistan, um, it, it's like you like what a disaster. I'm sorry, it was it was it was, it was it just was bad. it was a it was a political just disaster. And again, I'm I'm not going to try to necessarily remember these specific details, but I but I seem to remember that like he actually made a public statement beforehand that that like whatever like what again whatever the specific action was that he took and that happened he literally said it's not going to look like this like it's what did he say like maybe it's not going to look like vietnam or something where we just had a checklist like just randomly pulled out and that's exactly what happened yeah and so it's just like it doesn't it doesn't matter what somebody again says it matters what somebody what somebody actually does and, and so is well um, to, to just to add exactly what you said there when he said and it was announced hey we're getting people out of there i was like like thank goodness like finally let's just get the heck out of here let's right yeah here and, who, and so like I, i'm one where i give credit where credit's due and if he wanted to finally snap his finger and have troops come back i was excited but then to steve's point and then when it actually happened i mean yeah ultimately i am glad we're here but man what what a mess that was <laughs> but oh yeah look, well we left the place in shambles and un- undid yeah. any any relative good that we might have done in the last 20 years i yeah. mean it's just gone and, now and of course it it's weirdly situations because uh, we can't see a world where president trump brought all the troops back but i have a hunch that if it were it would be the ex- even if it was a smooth transition on either side you would see the reverse situation if if trump yeah. brought troops back even if it was a messy situation like this, Fox News would be like, hey, we finally got our troops home and left would focus on the mess. And, and that's just what frustrating again, back to the news media yeah. is just, it's just a back and forth. But um, yeah. Anyway, you want to yeah. move over to the next category, getting out of the news stories. Yeah, it is. yeah let's get out of the, let's get out of the news. Let's go, let's go on to, well, uh, ironically, my example for the, for the next, but it's still a little news related, but um, uh, it's, it's, um, little, it's, it's good. So, so, so the next overarching category is um, character buildup and and assassination, and and this one is um, this one's really uh, sort of somber uh, in a sense because yeah. it does it it does have to do with very specific individuals. You know, we're not just talking about you know a category or or a or a particular group of people, even though that's important too. Um, it's it's kind of like the, the question that I'm sort of inviting everyone to to think through is what what happens when a, a person, maybe a high profile person or whatever, who has a specific reputation for one thing, all of a sudden gains a reputation for <laughs> yeah. something else, you know? And it's like 
It's right. So there are some people whose character gets built up in a certain way and you're kind of like, oh, I don't know if that's really legit. And then you have other people whose, char whose character gets torn down and, and it's like, oh, I don't really know if that's legit either. And based on the different stories and things that fly around, it's hard to know um, who, who to believe. Uh, so, so the first example, and I'll, I'll let Alex jam on this a little bit because he brought it up, is this idea of focusing only on the good things that people have done and then neglecting the wrong or maybe vice versa. So, Yeah, so uh, the first person is is Trump, and I know that it's been talked about endlessly in the news, podcasts, and everything, but just to kind of give our take on it is that, um, yeah, we kind of want to be harsh on people that we're probably involved with mostly in our circle and that is the the odd uplifting of trump to a degree where he's he's a a great man of honestly a great man of god and i've heard that term thrown out so many mm -hmm. times um specifically i won't i won't mention the the church or the or the pastor but um pastor that you know hosted trump at his church and um just it, it was beyond a hey you know let's let's pray for this guy. If he, if he becomes our next president, he's going to need, you know, God's power. But it was like, Hey, you know, this is our guy. This is who, you know, God wants for us. And just to the degree of, and not just, you know, not just saying that in the place of, Hey, you know, God's will is going to be done. You know, if God wants to be president, he will, but to the point of, you know, God has elected this person to save and rescue our country. And it, it really, um, it kind of, it didn't affect my faith or anything, but it, it made me very discouraged seeing that where a lot of Christians just ignoring the kind of faults that are there. And now I, I get the logic of a lot of people wanting to vote for him. You know, of course, I think he made decisions that, you know, did cater and, um, you know, live up to some promises that he made on that side. Um, so I definitely get the voting for him. But at the same time, it was, uh, I just saw a lot of disregard for just obvious concerns with 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 someone like trump yeah i mean when i first heard that donald stinking trump was running for <laughs> yeah. president of the united states i thought we were out of our minds i thought there's just no way i mean this is yeah. again this is 2015 2016 this is this is we're starting to have these conversations and i'm i mean i'm 32 so at the time i was 25 hard to believe Ooh. um you know <laughs> And and I wasn't, you know, I was the furthest thing from interested in politics. But of course, everybody knows who Donald yeah. Trump is. And so I was thinking, oh my gosh, like you cannot be. And and honestly, I didn't at that point. I have I have now what you have to understand is a, I believe a I believe an objectively justified appreciation for Trump, regardless of anything else, from a business perspective. It's very hard to deny that yeah. from a business perspective, Donald Trump is a freaking genius, and even his greatest enemies deny it. Okay, so I'm in good I'm in good company there, but I wasn't that into business back then, and and so I didn't even have that appreciation for him from that standpoint, and so I was like, what are we do? Are we are out of our minds? And so I was never on, I was never on the Trump train, right? I was right. Now I happen to believe that uh, post, you know, I, I, he surprised the heck out of me. I just have to be honest. He actually surprised the heck out of me. Um, I, yes, I mean, he was sometimes the big angry orange man on Twitter and the, and he needed to be censored and he probably shouldn't have even, you know, been allowed to have a Twitter account. Uh, <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I say he needed to be censored, I don't mean that in the standpoint of, oh, he's not saying things that, that he didn't 
like we don't i don't mean that i, I mean like maybe he should be filtered right like maybe yeah. maybe so some of the more official white house communication channels should have been used okay right, so again two things can we do at the same time i think he had great policies i actually appreciated to an extent his willingness and ability to greatly or, or to rather to directly um connect with the american people yeah at, at the same time there i mean he he had some serious moral failings that I feel like a lot of, I'll just say it, a lot of Christians and conservatives just totally decided to gloss over and say, oh, we're just going to ignore all this stuff <clears throat> because he's some sort of political savior figure. And we we don't, uh, believe it or not, I can't believe that we're going to talk about this subject. I didn't even think about conspiracy theories as being, <laughs> it's probably a whole well, separate category. That, is, that goes beyond anecdotal. Um. Yeah, it it, uh, it it does. It's probably a whole separate category, but it, I I can't I just can't fail to mention it because it was such a big deal. It is Trump, and I mean it's hard to ignore all the QAnon stuff that happened yeah. with, with Trump, and and these the people behind this QAnon conspiracy, which I don't have time to explain yeah. what all it is. You know, Google it, you'll find it. But for a while, it was underground, and um, it's that's where a lot of this mentality of Trump as some sort of savior figure. Me. originally came from and and very unfortunately a very a large swath of the church bought into this lie that was and, and it drug on forever but bought into this lie that was the QAnon conspiracy theory and and um and it was all sort of associated with trump and, and trump again Trump is a marketer. Trump, Trump's email. I mean, every other president says very, you know, even in their campaigns, very presidential looking stuff. Trump's emails, Trump's official campaign emails look like sleazy 1980s direct response marketing campaigns. And I freaking love it. I love it <laughs> because I'm like, you no, know, these people get it right. And, and so, right. Point being, Trump wasn't going to turn down that negative press. You know, his, his, oh, yeah. His response whenever somebody brought up the QAnon thing was always kind of like, oh, I can neither confirm or deny, you know, these sorts of things. And 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 again, it was none of it was dumb. None of it was ignorance. He was the freaking not only is he, a, again, an objectively genius businessman, he was the most informed man on the planet. He was the president of the United States. He knows everything that's going on. But that played towards ignorance. Again, it was it was a it was a political move. It was a, it was a marketing move. And um. So, but, but again, we ought not focus on only the good things or only the bad things. Yep. We need to display balance and we should have good reasons, right? Like for example, if somebody wants to argue with me of, of whether or not Trump was, was, you know, whatever in office, well, we can have a conversation about that that deals with policy decisions that he had made, economic prosperity and things like that for the country. Um, you know, it's like. It's like COVID happened and, and boom, suddenly there was a reason to like, I honestly wonder if he would have been in for a second term, if not for COVID, because now there was this big band, bad COVID boogeyman that everybody could slaughter him for not handling yeah. properly yeah. when we were dealing with something that people had no idea about. Nobody would have handled it properly. It's like learning. I don't know. I don't even know what it's like. It's like, anyway, so I so kind of want to, one example, but I yeah. kind of want to throw this out here too, just real quick. It kind of relates, but also something separate is, um, especially in politics, especially when it comes to the president and then the senator, but everyone in politics, except for maybe a couple, I can only name honestly one or two off the top of my hand that I actually care to listen to. It, mm -hmm. It's always one side against the other. This side is always good and this side is always bad and vice versa. Yeah. Honestly, just go out and talk to the person you live next to. Yeah, like, yeah, seriously, sure. like the one of the, 
um, one, a great example is, um, uh, Matt Damon is a very, very liberal, you know, left-leaning person. And I think I forget the specific, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he was filming a movie recently about, um, some guy like in the oil fields. And so he spent time with family in the oil fields, you know, learned, you know, their ways and, you know, he, you know, learned for the acting part of it. And he came away to say like, man, like these guys are just like normal people. And like, they all voted for Trump, but they like welcome me in and, you know, they're just, you know, all about family and you, you just, just don't watch the news and <laughs> don't watch the news. Just talk to people okay, around you. Some, it, like, okay, seriously. Yeah. Well, that's, that's it. That's it. it. Anyway, that's my little, it. that's my little rant. Okay. Yeah. On to the yeah, next so, one. I'll so let you then, take, yeah. Go for yeah, it. for sure. So, so just to, just to kind of recenter us here, right. We're talking about this idea of either character buildup or character yeah. assassination. So, so like, I, I want to kind of go into it by saying, don't, don't necessarily believe everything you hear, but don't dismiss everything you hear yeah. either. Exactly. So th uh, this next one is it. The next two are uh, a little bit more um, of a Christian focused sp specifically, but but please, it's an important topic in in general. What's going on here? So don't 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 skip ahead. Um, Robbie Zacharias. Um, he many people call him the Billy Graham of apologetics. So he was a very he passed away recently, um, last year, two years ago, uh, maybe two years ago. And he had a very large uh international ministry, it was literally called Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, RZIM. Millions and and millions of people around the world regularly consuming his content, reading his books, listening to podcasts, watching the YouTube channel. Um, just a massive influence. I mean, I, it may not be an exaggeration to say that, especially with Billy Graham having moved on, there may have been no larger force for Christianity, no larger entity for Christian for the conveying of tr of Christian truth worldwide than his. He 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 might have legitimately had the largest sphere of influence, huge international speaking team, etc. Um, while he was alive, there was allegations that were brought up of a um basically an affair right without going all into the details uh, of an affair uh, between him and a, a lady named Lori Thompson I think I think it's Lori Thompson and um they uh, he denied the allegations there were disputes that happened and, and and things and he ended up uh they ended up settling they had a settlement agreement and it ended in a NDA so that no, neither party was really allowed to talk about it again. And of course, uh, the official position of RZAM was that this route was taken to avoid an unnecessarily long legal battle and 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 the whole nine yards. And that basically th there was a, a big misunderstanding in, in this communication. And um, um, and, and the, what Lori, uh, what Lori claims is basically that she was silenced, right? Like, yeah, she did agree to the NDA and they did the settlement, but that ultimately it caused her and her husband and their family, you know, irreparable harm and this, that, and the other thing. And, um, so fast forward a couple of years from that time and, and, and Robbie has passed away. He got cancer pretty aggressively, pretty much, pretty much out of nowhere. Um, and within, within a relatively short period of time, he was gone. After his death, uh, and there was, I mean, his funeral was a huge deal. I mean, you know, te again, televised, international event, all the, you know, I mean, it was, it was a big deal. And um, then shortly after that, uh, more allegations started to c come forward of, you know, again, keeping it simple, sexual misconduct. Um, Ravi was, the, had owned a couple of, he was a businessman as well as a ministry guy. 
And um, he owned a couple of spas, uh, at least one, but I think a couple uh, of different spas um, in the uh, in the area where they were near Alfreda, Georgia. And yeah, there are allegations that that Robbie was um, you know, there was sexual misconduct towards I think a total of like four or five, maybe six women uh, came forward. If you include Lori. Um, Lori Thompson, the original, you know, plaintiff, um, in the matter. And, um, once the, uh, the, the company uh, or the, the ministry RZAM, who was led by Zacharias's own daughter, um, at the time, um, had, you know, once they found out about these additional allegations that were made, they brought in a independent, um, law organization or, private, uh, I guess, independent investigators, um, and who who determined they they released an official report that, as far as I'm aware, um, anybody can go read, and they, uh, yeah, they they determined that the claims were credible, and that that, you know, I mean, not, again, he's dead, so there's not legal ramifications that could be done against him, but this independent investigation seems to have confirmed, um, at least at first glance what these people have said okay that that's the the over overarching outlook now uh, you may have some thoughts here but let me just kind of lay out some basic thoughts um the behavior described in the report is extremely troubling yeah. it, it, it speaks of predat you know again predatory you know the kind of thing that that people do with in the process of grooming you know, <clears throat> in the process of 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 preparing people and, and guilting people into feeling as though they need to be a part of whatever this is. For example, there are reports of, of Robbie basically telling these women that this, that God told him that his reward for his hard work and labor was for them to, again, sexually pleasure him and have encounters with him and things like that during massage sessions and just, and just all of this stuff. And, um, I wrote literally in the notes. I wrote Rob as as uh, for this line. I wrote Robbie Zacharias dash legit. Not sure what to think. Okay. Um, again, as somebody who has personally spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours with Robbie's content, yes, it's of course. There's the notion of oh, it's hard to believe. Okay. There is also a couple of other factors, though. Yes, it it is hard to believe. Legitimately hard to believe. Another factor is his his son who was, again, I mean, just as close to Robbie as anybody, has a, a blog where he picks apart many of the pieces of evidence that the independent investigation firm had had alluded to. And, and in my opinion, I think he shows that some of them are a lot less certain. I, I think actually a lot of them. Um, I would have to reread again to be, to be very certain about my statements here, but a lot of them that I was reading, he's making some good points, I guess is what I'll say. Just I'm, I'm a lot less certain in the facts of the case, um, based on data that they really didn't have access to, based on really some suspicious stuff where the family wasn't, you know, allowed to. There's just some really suspicious stuff here going on. I don't think the case is as airtight as they made it out to be. Um, that's that's one factor. Another factor is you do again. These these are women coming forward after the person passed away some of these women would have been in close proximity to each other and would have had again now i i can't think of any 
necessarily any motive or, or, or whatever that they would have had for like conspiring in this way. But again, I don't know the intimate details of the, of the case. So maybe there was financial things that, that, that happened for them that again, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's another one of those things where like, based on the culture, there is like this de facto belief of their stories unless proven otherwise that I think can be dangerous while at the same time we must remain sensitive to the fact that if what has happened is true, it is an egregious, egregious, and it's, 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 yes, it is sin. It is also just awful human, you know, behavior. And, and it is the, it is the worst thing. And these people should have never been put through it. Um, but I, like I, like I wrote down, I'm legit. I'm legit not sure what to think because it's just so hard for me to imagine that the person who wrote the words and spoke the words that, that again, through the thousands of hours that I've spent, it's so hard to believe that that person would, would and, and especially when you hear personal stories from his family of how giving that he was and, and, and the way that he acted in circumstances as a husband, as a father, it is so hard to imagine that that is the same person who committed the crimes as it is stated that, that they have been committed. So <clears throat> What do you do? Yeah, I, I, I think I really only have two thoughts about this. I, I, I have never been, and I'm not saying you are either, but I, I have never been big into following a preacher and like, oh, like this guy has really just like, so Robbie, I, I might listen to a couple of stuff. So when the news came out, I guess I, I wasn't surprised, and I, I didn't. It was a subject I didn't dig into, so I don't have a pity opinion specifically on did he do yeah. it or did he not but um for me i just i just thought like it wouldn't surprise me if it happened um people I, when yeah. they get into powerful positions and you know we're humans and so i so the two points that i have to say is anecdotally again it's the title of this episode is anecdotes and and making decisions and making decisions applies to making decisions in your mind about people and how things work um, it, if you hear everything good about Trump, that does not make Trump a man of God. If you hear everything bad about Trump, that doesn't mean that he's held people and charities and, you know, right, and, right, right. I mean, and it's the same thing with, with Robert Zacharias or your neighbor or coworker or anything. And so even people who are well-known and yes, obviously people who have who are well known, you may not know personally, but have helped you through life, you know, either through a podcast or through sermons or lectures. Like, yeah, that that's that's great. And obviously you have some type of connection to them. But man, whether you're a Christian or not, you know, based your decisions on on someone based on how you know them. Um and don't yeah someone up to a standard or put someone down to a standard simply based on how they generally appear, I guess. Yeah. Um obviously we still have like our Initial, you know, if Robbie is nice his whole life, obviously you're going to think, oh, he's a nice guy. And, and so, right. you know, you can't blame him for not thinking he's, you know, not nice. Yeah. Well, not well, well, now, now here's something that complicates the situation. And, and, you know, he, again, he's kind of a unique circumstance in a sense. Um, because at the, because of all this happening, um, I mean, the entire ministry was dissolved. Yeah. The assets they literally took down. I mean, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos that legitimately shared the gospel online that are now that are now 
gone. I mean, yes, of course, they're you know nothing on the internet is ever gone, right? I mean, you there yeah. you know, people re-recorded and downloaded and whatever, but like as far as official content released from the ministry, hundreds of podcasts, hundreds of YouTube videos, hundreds of articles, all taken down, all gone. Each of which was a tremendous force for the gospel over the time period that it had been there, and and so right as a as a Christian that hurts like like that right it it, it makes me feel like. Man, is there number one? Uh, and again, we're not answering questions here. Almost, we're, we're kind of just thinking through them. But so, so, so the two things that come to mind are: wow, like if the devil was going to win a short-term battle, make he, I, in my view, he ain't going to win the war, but he can win some battles along the way. And I was like, man, if he was ever going to win a battle, that would, like yeah, just, it. just as listen, I mean, here's what I'm saying: just as true as it is, you made a point that was 100 percent right. We're all human. Robbie's just because he was on some pedestal, he absolutely could have done these things. It is within his human capacity, despite his reputation, 100%. Just as real as that is, is the truth of actual spiritual and demonic uh, oppression. And I have no doubt in my mind that this could be a battle that Satan has won short term, that the forces of evil, however you want to say it, the evil one, whatever, has has won and now at least for a time being, there is a tremendous removal of a of a huge gospel platform. And 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 that's just again things that make you go, hmm. And and as a okay, as an addition to that, my the my reason for thinking this or or for asking this question is that is it let's assume the allegations are all true. Was it is it justified to burn the books? pull down the YouTube channels, does, does, the, does the fact that a person is human and sins, which every person literally in the history of time does, some more egregiously than others, does that, does that make anything that he said invalid or, or does it justify the pulling down <clears throat> of, of, that, of, that, of that helpful content that has ministered to so many over the years and could well, minister to millions more every year. Is, is that justified? Well, that was going to be my, my second point where, I mean, throughout kind of what we've been saying is an anecdote or a story, even if the story is true, does not negate that truth exists outside of a person or what they say or what they've done, whether right. that person is living a lie or not. So that's why and, and that's kind of goes back to, you know, um, news outlets and giving antidotes and stories is they're never willing to say when the other side is right or not. But if, like, for instance, when Joe Biden said, hey, we're going to pull our troops out of the Middle East, I, I said, good. Now, again, obviously, it was kind of a debacle how it went, but I said, you know, good, like, yeah, let's do it. And so I, just because I disagree with pretty much most everything Joe Biden comes out of his mouth on that one thing I wanted to happen. So why wouldn't I say, Hey, like that's something, Exactly. I guess, I don't know how to word it. It's not truth, but that's something that I believe we should have done a long time ago. So let's do it. Same thing with Robbie Zacharias. Um, I mean, who I, you know, my opinion is, you know, what, why take that stuff down? But at the same time I do get it. So that's for, yeah. and for, fortunately, that wasn't my decision to make, so I didn't have that's, to. That's call. because you're a balanced individual and you're no fun. Ah, uh, I got to take no. a stand at some point. I got to take a no. stand at some point. It's good. No, it's um, good. It's perfect. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to start off on our next person, our final person for character yeah. development, Sasha, by 
what Ben Shapiro says, uh, you live by the Kanye, you die by the Kanye. <laughs> I think that sums up perfectly the craze that is Kanye West. Oh um, man. I'm just going to put it a couple things simply. I don't have much to say, but just, I've actually always liked Kanye West. I always thought his music was just really good to a talented mm -hmm. guy. Um, so I, I've always enjoyed his music anyway. And then, yeah, as soon as he, I don't even know when the switch was, but I guess became a Christian. I, I don't really know how to word it, but when he started to kind of move over there and whether it was supporting Trump or, um, you know, commit with like his album, you know, worshiping Christ and which has had some pretty cool songs on it. But anyway, <clears throat> um, yeah. however, yeah. whenever that transition was, there was a craze of, oh, like Kanye, we have Kanye now, Kanye, Kanye, Kanye. And again, it just kind of goes back to what we were saying is, uh, you know, if you're going to prop up this person, then when he falls, you're going to fall with him. That is so right. Yeah, that's exactly uh, right. And that that I mean that sums up so well the the Kanye thing. I, I hate to I hate to 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 double back to Trump, but but you actually brought up something that was a really good point. I, I think it can apply to the Kanye situation as well, just in the opposite way. You know, I don't think anybody was ever surprised that I mean Trump talked about politics a lot, mm -hmm. and I don't think anybody was ever surprised that he ended up running even as a conservative because I mean conservatives tend to have values that are very supportive of business and capitalism and things like that. Um, but like, it, it's so crazy. Like everybody, I mean, the, he was on the apprentice. He was a major TV star. He was everybody in the world. As far as I know, most, most people had respect most, no matter where you were on the yeah. political aisle, you had respect for Donald Trump, right? You, 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 right. I mean, if anything, he it was, was probably a lot of the conservative Christians who would have thought, um, ill toward him. Because, you know, sleazy businessman or, or, you know, whatever, whatever yeah. kind of crazy idea that Christians think up uh, next. Um, but the character assassination got real when he decided to run as a as president under a conservative label. Right. Sorry. And it just it just geared up. There was almost no consideration for who the man was in, in the in the in the in the business that he had built or the it was like, no, now he's just evil man, evil orange man because Republican. <laughs> right. And so. With Kanye, how many Christians suddenly became huge Kanye fans? The because he was unreal, right? It was like that. I mean, I mean, like that. And and there was, you know, it's weird because as a Christian, like legitimately, you're like you're not God, right? And so you don't ever <laughs> want to put yourself in the place of of either questioning or affirming someone's salvation who may really not be genuine. And you got to admit with Kanye, I mean, it's like, is this just the next publicity stunt? Yeah. You know, whatever. And, and, and I mean, some of, I actually had a friend who had a pretty close connection with the pastor who supposedly led Kanye to Christ. And, yep. and there was supposedly genuine repentance there and, yeah. and a deep <clears throat> wanting to learn more. But like, I feel like the whole Kanye thing happened in like 15 seconds. Maybe you live by the Conway and you yeah. die by the Conway, but, but I done died by it because it's gone. I haven't heard much about it. Yeah. And, it came and out with another Christian album. I oh, maybe, maybe that. he did, but like now he's divorced his wife and who knows, yeah. maybe that, maybe that was a, you know, she wasn't feeling the whole Christian thing and she wasn't going to support it. And so I haven't heard any more out of him. And to be frank, that might be a good thing, you know, that, that, that we haven't, you know, yeah. because again, he he doesn't need to be placed on on some sort of pedestal exactly. as a person. The point is with this whole thing, character buildup and assassination, and then we can move on, is when you place your faith in a person, 
person will fail you. The only person that has ever been perfect, in, in our opinion, is Jesus Christ. Outside of that, literally everybody else has failed and will fail you. And no matter how close you are, no matter how much you love them, yes, there are certain people in proximity to us that we give a certain level of, um, you know, we have a certain level of trust and loyalty to, but especially when you're just propping somebody up or tearing somebody down in virtue of, of their fame or their fortune or, or whatever, when you don't actually know them at all, then it's really, really difficult <laughs> to, to, to make an accurate assessment of somebody's character. And so I think, I think to, if I were to give an answer or, or, or whatever, I would say to have a balanced approach, right? Yeah, Just be absolutely. as balanced as you can. And that's not as exciting, like what Steve said, I'm too balanced, but it's not as yep. exciting as saying, how do you call this guy a liar or right. this guy? But I mean. But it's the most honest. Yeah, it's the most honest. Either, yeah, yeah it, it is. Because most of the time that's where something lies is kind of in the middle. That's right. Um, that's right. So uh, the, our, final, our final category, um, emotional persuasion. Um, for good or ill, I think Steve is, um, is yeah. kind of our, our last thing. Um, yeah. so the first uh, kind of subtopic we have on emotional persuasion is, um, pastor preacher stories. Um, well, you could do this for good or for ill. <laughs> I'll refer, I'll, uh, I'll, oh man, oh, man. Um, it goes yeah, both ways. Boy. It really, really does. Um, so, um, I'm just, I'll touch on the positive side and maybe thirsty. Oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. So, um, it was kind of like our mixed story of the week too, but, um, I won't retell the whole story cause it lasts a long time. I won't do it justice, but we had, um, what's his, is his first name? Jonathan. Yeah. Uh -huh. Jonathan McNeese. He, he came in, uh, preached at our church this past week for kind of our revival Sunday in. And it was definitely more of, I guess you could say a revival message where it was, um, a lot of laughs and a lot of um a lot of good storytelling to elicit emotions from the crowd and i wouldn't say it in a deceptive way because i and that's the negative side of stuff i've definitely been in deceptive areas like that but this was a legit you know connecting real life stories to um uh, you know to human emotion in christ and and just all of that it was, it was really genuine and really great and so um just uh from a from a pastor and preacher's perspective um obviously uh, i guess kind of get to my opinion here but you know preach from the word of god and what the bible actually says but me and uh especially being a pastor you, you go through a lot in life and a lot of stories that you were a part of and what you see and man stories can really be used um from the pulpit in a kind of a transformative way to help people realize things because a lot of times they've seen stuff in real life that's not just a silly story you know about a cartoon and then you relate to real life but they're like hey this is something that's in real life that does relate to real life because it actually happened and so kind of from the positive side where um again like it, an anecdote when it actually relates to truth and the human condition and to elicit a response and an, an emotional um, yeah, response from, from the listener, um, is a, just an extremely powerful tool. Um, that's kind of the positive side of it where you can help people realize truth in that. Yeah. And, and so I, as I will transition into some of the negative side, I'll, I'll do so by sort of like making the point that a, a homily, th there is an art to, to preaching, to calling somebody like there, there, 
just as, and again, I'm just being honest, like just as in marketing, there are specific ways that you can design your presentation to elicit a certain kind of response from the audience. The same thing is true in certain kinds of preaching. And, and you know, it's hard to attach morality to that discipline in <clears throat> itself. It's kind of like money. Money in itself is amoral, but you can either, you can either love it to the point of your own demise, or, or you can recognize that it is a tool that can be used for good. Um, a brick, a brick can be used to build an abortion mill, or it can be used to build a cathedral, you know, it's one of yeah. the examples, yeah. right? And, and so in that way, the, the art of calling somebody to a response, for example, um, again, like you mentioned, so I'll just give a little bit of context. Our church is, is what we call, we do what's called expository verse by verse preaching. That means on any given Sunday, uh, there are, there are exceptions, but they're very rare mm -hmm. on any given Sunday whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, or even Wednesday night, most of the time it is, all right, open your Bible, next chapter, next verse. We're going through the book of John, or we're going through Colossians, or 1 Samuel, or wherever. And we're actually looking at the text of the Bible, the message for that night is drawn out of the text itself. The text is explained, and and, and whatever is taught is, is what the text teaches, and then there is application to our lives. When you have a revival sort of service, though, oftentimes this is not the kind of preaching that is done. Um, it is often going to be more more topical. Okay, In the case of the sermons that were preached on Sunday, and I should also say uh, Pastor McNeese is one of, well, you know, I, I mean, not to, again, glorify a person, but he's always been one of my very favorite preachers and because of his style. I mean, frankly, his style is very good. He's a very good storyteller. Now, in both cases, I'm pretty sure he started by reading one very small portion of scripture and the entire rest of the thing was thoughts based on his study and stories okay and so the question is is that wrong i do not think it is wrong i do think it is for a particular time and place yeah um, my personal opinion and i I, th I think i can argue this from the text uh, of the bible as well but my personal opinion is that it ought not be the norm to have a somebody read part of a verse and then tell stories the rest of the time. And that is the bulk of your message. I, I don't think that is what the task of preaching in general is, but there is this call to repentance and, and a call to get your life right. And there were people, uh, there were, uh, there was a flood of people who came to the, the altar just to, to pray and to make things right with the Lord and ask, ask God for help after, uh, these messages. And I think it was a great thing. And there was healing that happened as a result. So I think that that discipline in itself, there's a time and place for it. And it is, um, you know, it, it has, it has merit. Um, unfortunately, as with, marketing, <laughs> as with marketing, which we'll talk about in a minute, unfortunately, if you have ill motives, yeah. this sort of thing can be done in a very questionable way, to say the least. And it, it's, it, it kind of almost goes back to character assassination a little bit because what, what you'll often have, a lot of these, man, I hate it, but just a lot, of, a lot of preachers who use stories for ill in order to elicit this sort of response will do so because they are, they are pulling on emotional triggers that they know will trigger their audience, but they are often... They, they are often engaging in character assassination. 
uh, when this happens. Or, you know, I'll tell you what, a lot of times, a lot of times people, and this is sick. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, I am, I, I am a Christian. I am, I've been under preaching my entire life, but, but there is a sick practice at some in some circles of, of like having these revival meetings and stuff where they are legitimately trying to count salvations and, and one up other pastors yeah. and other meetings on how many people they can get to come forward for salvation or whatever. And so they will, they will preach messages that are intentionally designed. And I'm serious. I hate that this is true, but it is. They are intentionally designed to make people who are genuinely saved and know they are question their salvation. And I'll be very vague. I won't go in too much, but there was a context in, in my own past of, of church going where there was a very longstanding revival that happened. It, it ended up going four to six weeks. I can't remember exactly. And it was like every night for four to six weeks. Wow. And there were multiple people in our church who... Who, who came forward <laughs> during that revival, who you would have never for any reason doubted that they were actually saved, yeah. doubting their commitment to Christ. And, and, and there were uh, people who, right, who, who came forward, professed salvation again, went through this whole, you know, I, I, was, I was faking it before, but I mean it this time sort of routine. And I have to praise the wisdom of my pastor at that time. Listen, he and I, uh, we always got along, but I, and I never really brought my, any disagreements that I had publicly to him, but I did have disagreements with him about ministry philosophy, about theology, um, about uh, various different things. Um, but his wisdom in how he handled this situation, I thought was very well. Of course, the irony is that the revival, although it would span multiple, multiple churches and even churches from other counties and even states who, who, who came to be a part of the revival that was happening, it was in our church. And, and so I praise his wisdom um, because he evidently, there were two things that happened. On the one hand, he um, evidently had conversations with these people because he sensed that this had happened to them. He sensed that they were people who truly and genuinely were saved and had just been emotionally impacted yeah. by the message and and were doubting their salvation, even though they truly had been saved. And in his wisdom, he I, I I'm guessing, I'm guessing that this wasn't their idea because it was multiple of them. And I probably wouldn't have done it if it was me. He had them come before the church again and publicly profess that right profess that they made a mistake that that they that not that they not that they were in the wrong and and made a mistake but that they truly were saved and they were just trying to make things right and be absolutely and this that and the other thing so i think that was wise the other thing is during the revival when he says some of this going on he preached two messages to just our church on the Sunday night crowd. And, but, and I, I, maybe I should clarify, he was not the one preaching the revival. There was not like, you know, double, double, you know, double good agency enough. going on here. Okay. He was not the one preaching the revival <clears throat> at our church. Um, so like, to, so the, on the Sunday nights, like on Sundays or whatever, the, the churches would like go back to their own churches and then they would reconvene on Monday night for the next night of revival. That's how this would go. 
And so on like the Sunday nights, I remember there were two Sunday nights where he preached messages directly to our church that were like, look, here's how you know you're saved. And so I, I just, it, and, and honestly, that's one of the things, I'm just being honest, that disenfranchised me. We no longer attend that church, obviously. Um, this is one of the things that got to me, like the fact that during the revival that was happening in our church, the pastor of our church had to preach messages <laughs> directly to our church so that they wouldn't doubt their salvation <laughs> because of the kind of messages that were being preached at the revival. And again, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, God forbid somebody listens to this in the future and they kind of, by my vagueness, even yeah. know like what I, I'm sorry, but it's just, it's just true. And that sort of ridiculum happens yeah, um, I, I remember across the spectrum. It's been a long time, but I remember sitting in those meetings where the preacher would get to the end and say, maybe you've said the prayer and you, you thought, you know, Jesus was your savior, but you're feeling that prick at your heart and you're not quite sure. And you're standing in just, and yep. just the hammering and hammering. Boy, and hey boy, you know, that prick, that, that prick, that, that prick, prick gets really that, tough. That really, that really lets you know. Specifically at those moments. At those moments, that, specifically. That, that prick gets very, very sharp. That prick didn't happen before, you know. No, and, and so... And, and, and things like, um, again, things that even might seem, um, innocent, for example, extending an altar call out. I actually, this is one of the things, and I hope I'm not like being too, you know, whatever. I don't think so because our live stream, our, our services are live stream, but you know, in our church, we intentionally, and he'll say it from the pulpit, we do not draw out our, our, our altar. Like, so uh, again, the concept of the altar and the altar call is even something that, I mean, it's certainly not necessarily like a biblical practice. Most people didn't even do this until like the last couple centuries. Um, but like we believe in, um, or, or we at least give people the opportunity to come forward to, to front and just kneel in prayer. And then we have people up there who are there just for support, for emotional support to come pray with you. If you need somebody to pray with you, that's all it's for. And, um, and it's a, right. It's, it, it's a way to sort of make that intimate, um, um, that prayer time with the Lord and to, and to separate that out. And, um, we, there are some pastors who, who they will just one more sign, one more chorus, one, oh, more, oh, one more, right. They will drag the altar call on forever yeah. because they, they need that response. And in some cases, I, I'm telling you, I've seen this happen. I've seen it happen where we've run through the song for 10 minutes. Nobody came up. And then finally one person came up and then more people yeah. trying to come and right and, and the problem look look I, I firmly believe i'm so sorry but I, I just can't help but firmly believe this it's not that the lord if the lord was dealing with that person you know like i guess there are maybe some circumstances where maybe it's not the case but like if suddenly like it takes 10 minutes for the first person to do it and then the whole place gets involved i'm just like you're just dragging it on for the purpose honestly uh, of a show or forgetting the numbers or feeling like, like because pastors will talk about and I'm, I'm obviously very passionate about this i'm sorry to be going on for so long no but I, many it, absolutely but many pastors will talk about the success of their sermon or or rather the success right. of the of as in 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 relative to, to what the altar call response was like. And so when you drag on your services for the purpose of that, so I guess all that to say, I love our church, man. We intentionally do not do that. We intentionally, look, if the Lord's dealing with you, come on up and let's make it right. Uh, sometimes we don't even get to the chorus of a song. We'll play the first verse and he'll shut it down because there's no movement, there's no nothing. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like the okay, Lord's not moving in this particular, like in that, in this particular way. And it's, it's, our pastor will even encourage, um, too, he says, you can 
you can handle it here at the altar. You can handle it right there in your seat. There's exactly yeah, right. or any pressure exactly right outside of what you're moved to do. You know, you know ex- ex- exactly right. And 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 you know what? People still get saved at our church. People come really for <laughs> People come forward for for salvation. The church. The church grows. I've never been, and I don't. I don't actually mean this as a, as a, as a, as a shade. Uh, it's going to sound like I'm throwing shade, but I probably yeah. not. I don't think I've ever been to a church who was less focused on numbers gaining outreach than than our church. Um, because if we did, we couldn't fit them right now. Because the, because literally, even through the pandemic and everything, our numbers are so up that there's absolutely no way in any given service that we could fit all of the people who attend our church at one time Oof. in the building, yeah. it, could, it couldn't happen. And, and so we can only actually do so much outreach because there's actually a, a, a sort of a limitation there um, that, 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 that we have. And so uh, yes, we still do outreach. We do community stuff. I mean, hundred percent, but it's like, you know, it, I mean, where are you going to put them at a certain point? Right. I mean, they're, you know, we've already got, we already do multiple services um, to accommodate for this. Right. So, so, so yeah, I mean, that's my, um, I guess we need to move on from this. I, I've been on Ooh, it for a yeah. while. I don't know if you but... want to hit up on uh, all, all of these or what were you kind of looking at? Yeah, Steve? no, let's, um, let's not. Um, so l- let's hit, um, well, let me just make a quick point about marketing. I know I'm typically the marketing yeah. guy. The reality is everything that I just said about the, the, the pastor <laughs> right. or preacher stories, it actually just applies in, in very much the same way to marketing. Marketing, storytelling is, I've talked about it. There's, we did a whole episode on story selling and, and marketing and um, it, it, Storytelling and marketing is extremely powerful, but it is one of those things that can be used for good or it can be used for ill. And so your motives are going to matter. Um, and that, I mean, that's it. I mean, that, that's the bottom line uh, um, with that is that your, your, your storytelling is, is, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing that you have the ability to convey stories to others. Yeah. Please don't use that for ill. Use it. Use it for good. Use it. Use it for. Use it to elicit a response if a response is what is necessary, but always so that it's for the good of the other person, not for not for not because it's a sleazy thing or you're just trying to sell them on something or or whatever. Yep, absolutely. Nope, I agree with you. All right, sweet. Sure. You um, let's see. What do you want to cover next? Do you have one of those that you want to kind of go into, or um, uh, honestly, I I'm uh, I just do have a kind of funny story about the people um asking for money. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Now, uh, obviously, there are people out there that need help financially. Um, but we also know that there's people on the streets for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. and just kind of a funny story. Um, when we first moved down here in North Carolina. Uh, I wasn't with her at the time, but Brooke was. Uh, my wife Brooke was driving down uh, the street and at a stoplight. Um, there's a woman there holding a cardboard sign. It says something like, "Has two children, um, something, something." And so Brooke Brooke gave her some money. And then I think it was the next day we were driving around together. I think it was in the same area. I forget exactly where, but different, totally different woman, same exact sign. <laughs> so, it, I mean, and oh, I know, man. I mean, I mean, they the sign was is the same exact sign. it was like they just hate different moment. Yeah, exactly um but again there's yeah. other things where brooke brooke's a mother and she saw a sign and you know yeah. like it's so easy i mean and i've done it too before i'm sure where it's you just your heart goes out to certain people for mm-hmm. yep. and 
Yep. Uh, I've got two specific scenarios. I don't need to tell them because I'm sure it's happened to some of you guys, but two very specific scenarios where a person came up and, you know, um, asking for asking for money, told very elaborate stories about trying to get here, trying to get there, my husband, my my wife, my this, my that. And it, it is, again, anecdotes and making decisions, right? Yeah. Here's an anecdote. Do I give this person the $10 that's in my wallet or do I not? Um, and I guess I have, I have, I have two almost conflicting opinions. One is, as, as a Christian, I firmly believe that everything happens as a part of God's sovereignty. I can, if I'm feeling generous, I can give that money and, and I can entrust that person to the Lord and say, okay, well, they're going to use it for whatever they're going to use it for. My motives are, are, are clean. I had a pastor growing up who used to say that he would never give a homeless person, for example, money, but he would go buy them a cheeseburger or, or whatever. And I had one guy, here we go, I'm telling stories about it, but I had one guy who came up and he asked for money. And I said, I will not give you money, but I will go into the store and buy you a bag of chips and a drink. And by golly, Alex, as sure as I sit here today, he was picky about the drink. I mean, he said, I was going to give him water. And he said, how about one of the monsters? How about one of their monster energy drinks instead? And I thought, <laughs> and I did it, you know, I, I did it. And actually the guy, the attendant fussed at him and, and kicked him out. But anyway, um, so what do you do in those situations? So conflicting thing number one is I believe that God is sovereign and I can be generous and and, and God will bless uh, me and that person if 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 you know if they use it for the right reasons. On the other hand, I do want to be cautious and I want to be a good steward of my money. And I don't know how people are going to use the money. And I I don't know that I necessarily just want to be. I mean, I've got a family of six. I, I don't want to just be. You, you know, throwing my money out into the wind. And Just go the, to www.donate to shrams.com. It's exactly. Your, I'm sorry. Yeah. You're going to set up that. Right? Uh, very good. And, and similar things could be said about, you know, there's stories about overseas support for like, yeah. you know, needy, needy children and families. And there are real Absolutely. legitimate needs in the world. Uh, again, with some of the stuff we talked about before. Um, real legitimate needs and you just need to use wisdom and, and yeah. discernment and yeah, and for a reason exactly right yeah thinking thinking carefully about these things and those darn adopt a pet commercials you know in the arms of Dude, that's all I guess is ever going to be repaired right now isn't it place. isn't it isn't it it's, it's something it's like yeah i mean those pet faces those googly eyes <laughs> um i do like our our, I do like our last uh, our last thing that Steve came kind of up with at, at the end. Uh, storytelling as truth say, yeah. And uh, I know Steve's really passionate. About it. I'll let you take it, and I'll I'm sure I'll have some some stuff to add along to it. Yeah, well, I've I've talked a lot. My my voice is starting to hurt, so I'll I'll try not to go too crazy here. But um, uh, this is a a term. I think I've got the term right. I actually just recently heard it in a video, um, by an acquaintance of mine. He's got a pretty big YouTube channel and following. Um, his name is Mike Winger. Again, he's a Bible teacher. Um, and he this he was telling this, uh, he coined this term as it relates to um, one of the virtues of progressive Christianity, which uh, unfortunately, again, I think if we haven't offended people enough by now, I've offended everybody on this podcast. So if you're, whether you're a Christian- You've offended you're a, me, Steve. Whether I offended Alex, if you're a Christian or you're woke as a joke, I, I offended all of y'all. Yeah, so, um, so I'll just go ahead and do one more offense. And um, that is, we'll be kind of circling back to one of the very first things we talked about, storytelling as truth saying. So it's, it's this common thread that, again, Mike identified in progressive Christianity, which often is just a brand of Christianity where a lot of progressive and secular values and frankly, wokeism, to be honest, seep in. And, and the core idea 
is that one's personal subjective experience actually has the power, not just, not, not just vaguely is more important or, or, or whatever. It's deeper than that. It actually has the power to trump, no pun intended, the, the facts of the matter. One's, one's, so, so in other words, to go back to one of our first examples, you, you know, somebody can hold up this paper with data that says, no, there's unjust, like there is not an unjust number of, of, of black people being killed by white cops. That, that is legitimately in the real world, not a thing that is happening by any stretch of the data. But you'll have, but you can have a person who comes in and says, yes, but, 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 but that can't be right because my whole life I've heard stories from my family. Of, of being persecuted and being scared of the cops. And even me, I've been, I've been stopped by a police officer before and it didn't feel right. And so, and so it, it's kind of like, oh, I see your facts, but I have this story over here that, that trumps the facts. And, and again, it is, you know, when, when, it, when, it, when, it, when, when, when something happens to you, that is a traumatic experience, you know, let's say legitimately you are a black person who was, who was, stopped by a police officer and maybe even harmed or, 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 or profiled by a police officer in a, in a way that was wrong. Let's say that's legitimately true. Then that is horrible. That is awful. There should be a reprimand for the person who did that. Legitimate racism is no good. But your one experience is not enough to say, it's not enough to objectively say that there is a large scale police reform needed because there, because more blacks are being killed by white police officers than, than any other scenario. And so, again, that's a very specific example, but the point is broad. It's storytelling is truth saying. When personal experience trumps the actual reality of the matter, that is, a, that is one of the biggest problems with media, with corporations, with big business, with big tech. That is one of the biggest problems today is it doesn't matter what the facts are. You told this story and, this, this, and your story now wins. And... And I'm going to let you come in after this, but, but those stories, by the way, and again, I'm just, I'm just being, I'm just being honest. That whole scenario doesn't work if you are a white male. Okay. If you are a white male, your story does not matter. And the more, the more points you have, if you're, a, if you're a female, if you're black, if you're, if you're, you know, an Asian person or Pacific Islander or, or whatever, however many of those things that you can you can sort of score as as points that makes you even more um you know able to say that your experience trumps what's going on over here the only person who doesn't get to say that in the modern age in which we live is a white male and so there you go i mean that 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 sort of seems to be where much of the culture is and it's alarming not alarming because i'm a i'm a white male that, that's not the point literally at all. That, that actually has zero to do with it. The point is that storytelling as truth saying is not how reality works. And so we shouldn't deny reality. So, yeah, no, I, my motto has always kind of been, uh, not really motto, but you know, you base decisions on, on facts and then, and then anything that deviates, especially when you're talking about serious situations like you are just man, have compassion empathy for people yes yeah, right just kind of just kind of um hitting home on our own kind of inner circle and i think our our church fortunately is really the only church i've ever been in that's um 
I think really does show empathy and compassion to people. And you can see that in, in pastor and, and just everyone else there, but there's a lot of play, a lot of Christians. I don't know what percentage, but it's a high percentage that, um, quite frankly, just don't give a crap about the exceptions and it, it, it's sad to see. That's so, right. So even though, um, just for your example on, you know, like, like racial profiling, yeah, the facts show like, you know, it's not like it's not happening on a daily basis down your road every single day, but it does happen. And if you come up and uh, just kind of going on talking to people about our Sunday school, we were talking, um, kind of talking about the last few weeks and, um, our associate pastor kind of said it well, where a lot of times you're in a conversation with someone you just kind of want to address the facts or say this or ensure your opinion. But a lot of times you just have to honestly just be quiet and give them grace or compassion and listen. So you don't know who you're going to be talking to. And honestly, some people might not, some people obviously are kind of, you know, on the side of, it doesn't matter about your facts, but at the same time, you might just have some people who are are going through a lot of hurt and Mm -hmm. they don't, they don't need to hear the facts. They just need to hear love and and compassion. And so, yeah, they need that. So I just hope we're all, you know, wise, make decisions based on facts and what's right and what's true, but you know, have compassion on people that need it. Well, to, and to close this out and to kind of put a button on what you just said there, um, we must learn the art, and it is an art. We must learn the art in America, no matter which side you're on, of of being able to love a a person and show empathy towards a person, um, and, and to affirm another person as, as 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 you know being valuable and being a human, even made in the image of God, while while firmly disapproving sometimes of choices that they make and behaviors that they take. Um, there is an art to loving a person while disagreeing with them. And we all need to get better at that. And I, I think that was just a beautiful point that you brought up. Like, like, yeah, the facts matter. The stories also matter. Yeah. We just, we just have to place them in, in context. In process, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and treat them appropriately and, and uh, specifically treat people appropriately. You know, we're all people here. We're talking about, big esoteric ideas but we're all people and um the you know we're we're gonna be there's gonna be by the way white black asian pacific red yellow black and white as the song says um we're all gonna be together in heaven for a very long time um those of us who know the lord and so it's like yeah let's start getting along now and let's get each other now yeah and um you 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 know it's like yeah i mean I, i didn't mean to turn this into something that was so specifically about that but but just across the board these are some of the biggest issues that as Americans we're facing a culture today and we need to learn how to get along and get our, get our crap together and, and do that yeah, together. I agree. Yeah. I think that sums up well with, yeah, that, uh, good topic tonight. And, uh, I think that that puts a pin in it. Well, anecdotes and making decisions. Yeah. I just kind of echo what you said, um, you know, stories are important and I hope this kind of shows how powerful stories can be, um, used to. Um, from the very evil of manipulating or showing one point of view or pitting people against each other or to the good to help people see an emotional side of things, help them to understand, help them to have a call to action to do good. Um, so, I mean, your stories are powerful. Um, they really are. Right. You know, um, everyone has a story to tell and you can elicit emotions from people, you know. And so just uh, understand that people have their own story. Facts exist. And, you know, just use you know, use wisdom and use truth to make decisions and, and care for people. That's right. So good. So good. 
Uh, All right. Well, I have a I have a story of the week. Do you have one you can mention or? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you go first. I'll, I'll think of one. You go first. Okay. Okay. Well, well, mine I think I think will be a great um a great way to button this up, and it's it's just a it's something that I, I I either read it or I heard it in a podcast. I can't remember which now, but I wrote it down the other day, and I thought it was um cool. This idea of of treating everyone as though they were Jesus in disguise. Um, how, how, you know, I, I've just never heard it put so practically and, and so concrete. I mean, I've heard people say, be Jesus to this person or treat, you know, treat everybody, you know, how you want to be treated. Of course, that's the golden rule, which was a teaching of Jesus. But, but more than that, like, like Jesus literally says, like, insofar as you've done whatever, give a cup of water in my name or whatever to the least of these, then, um, you've done it to me. And, and so what would it be like if, Oh, I, you know, I think I did learn this from a podcast called 18 Summers. I think that's where I heard this. And they were just talking about this concept of, um, of yeah, treating, of treating everybody like it was Jesus in disguise. You know, that argument like, that you had on Facebook or that homeless person who came up to you. Like, you don't know. Like, the Bible says we're entertaining angels unawares. Like, what? I mean, just what happens? You know, what would happen if it's <clears throat> really, really, really Jesus in disguise? Would you be proud of that interaction or, or not? And how much better would the world be if we all treated each other like that? Yeah, it's um, man, that that's a good way to uh, to look at it. Um, treat everyone as if they were they were Jesus. <laughs> um, it it and it kind of applies to um, you know, we're watched all the time by God anyway. You know, so right, he sees that's right with with every single person. Um. So yeah, That's exactly right. Um, yeah, I don't have a story of the week. Um, I was really lazy this week and just for totally forgot to. I know I've read stuff that's interesting. I always do, but I think I'm just this week. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna take a shout out saying that uh, I'm really enjoying our weekly Wednesday night dinners after Wednesday night church together. As oh yeah, that's that's great, man. So my story of the that. week is just going out and creating a mess for the waiters and waitresses, and yeah. dealing with spilt drinks and screams, all coming from Steve, of course, no one else. And, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I know yeah, somehow. Uh, like somehow, somehow we're like spending our Wednesday and Thursday nights together now. So it's pretty I know, fun. It works out. And I guess I'll have to see you Sunday too. <laughs> oh man. I totally dig it. No, it's all, it's all good. It's been a, it's been a great joy and pleasure. So I'm, I'm yeah. it. plus there's great Mexican food and great storytelling. It's to boost, so good. it's hard, hard to, uh, hard to deny. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Steve. It's been awesome talking to you. All right, man. You too. Um, God bless everyone. Y'all take care and uh, we'll see you in the next episode of Story World. See ya.